1: Um yeah all right postman pat, postman <laughs> pat, postman pat, and it's black and white cat.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth edition of the Supercoach Talk Lockdown Series podcast for season 2020. Uh, It's JT here, and we've got a a special guest on the line uh, with
2: Lakey and I here. Firstly, Lakey, how are you, mate? I'm doing good, mate. How good is it to hear that intro once again? I haven't been around for a while, so... (laughs) I'm sure...
0: Yeah, everyone's uh, headphones have probably just been snatched out in uh, anger at how loud it probably came through. But uh, yeah, you know you're listening to the Super Coach Talk podcast when you get a uh, uh, firm ear destruction on the lead in. But uh, nice to have you back, mate. And joining us, uh, breaking his podcast, Cherry, I believe, uh, we've got everyone's favorite mailman, Adam Stilesy Styles, on the line. How are you, Stilesy? Good, mate. How are we doing? Right. Uh, NRL's almost back and you're almost back into full-time work to get uh, all the late mail, but um, it's basically just for now which uh, play has gone and stuffed up. I'm sure that's probably going to be keeping you busy over the next couple of weeks.
1: Oh, mate, we've already got all of the news today coming out about Luttrell and Addo Carr and now Nathan Cleary um, playing a bit of silly buggers with the social isolation. So you'd think Cleary in particular Having already seen the other two guys, uh would have been a bit more careful, but I guess it happened over Anzac Day weekend. So we're just seeing that coming to light now.
2: Didn't you clear he had like oh, eight it. birds turn up to his joint, mate? How, how do you say no?
1: <laughs> hey, did you see the grin on his face in those photos? Like, he, yeah. I reckon he just cop that fine uh, yeah. <laughs> and just. He's going, yeah, yeah, worth asking it. Him. 100%. But. I'm surprised he can't adhere to social distancing just with that chin of his. Like, how do you get within 1.5 meters of that?
2: <laughs> Starsy coming in hot. Wow, dropping the. Uh,
0: yeah, wow. Didn't uh, take any time at all there. Savage. I mean, um, no, the think it's to voice. Good to hear, uh, put a a voice to the uh, Twitter page I guess mate So nice to have you on Thank you Um, I guess it's been been a big week, uh, a big couple of weeks in the NRL uh, landscape So it's moving along at a rate of knots And just today we've had uh, the draw, well the uh, structure of the draw locked in So the season's going to be 20 games long uh, So 18 still to play Grand final I think on October 25th um, so with or without crowds, I guess State of origin is still up in the air But uh, hoping they're getting that a bit later in the year So that uh, crowds could potentially come back But with all that's going on, it's quite a lot to uh, take in So um, before we jump into the good, bad and the ugly For the Raiders and the Titans tonight I thought I'd throw it over to you, Stilesy To um, clear the air, clear our heads And just give us a bit of a rundown on uh, some of the proposed rule changes that have been getting floated around recently, um, just what the competition might look like uh, when it comes back and whether this will have an impact on our Super Coach game. So I'm sure you're all across it and I give you the floor.
1: Yeah, so there's a few rule changes they've been tossing around the last, it came out in the last couple of days, mainly around, I guess, mitigating the chance for injury given the guys are coming back and pretty much having just a three-week training camp uh, as opposed to several months that they do at the start of the year. So it's always a bit risky sort of coming straight back into full play. So um, the the disclaimer on all these, I guess, is they are just being floated around. So we could get any combination of one or none or um, all that of all these rules. But There's a couple that have uh, some supercoach implications and one in particular that has late male uh, carnage implications for myself. So I guess I'll just tick them off and then we can have a chat about them. So the first one is potentially having a 20-man squad until an hour before kickoff. So we know squads are normally announced Tuesday, then 24 hours out, they'll cull two from that squad list and then an hour out, they'll cull the final two to give us the final 17. So they're talking about having that 20th man and I guess that means the chance for late changes is going to be higher, particularly when you think of it in conjunction with the other proposed rule, which is having an 18th man specialty concussion cover. So can you imagine having one of your players not only drop to the bench, but then also relegated to specific concussion cover? Like, that's just got AE Nightmare written all over it. So I guess the things we don't know yet about the 20-man squad is um, if it's going to be uh, maybe a 22-man squad on Team List Tuesday and then culled to 20, then culled to 18 on game day, or if we've got that extra player sort of floating around there. So I guess checking those last-minute teams an hour out is going to be pretty crucial if they do go ahead with this. Not that it isn't already, but... If you've got sort of potentially players who could drop to concussion cover or out of the squad altogether, that could have, have some pretty big implications there.
2: Uh, yeah, I, if I can jump in. I guess for me, uh, leading up to games anyway, I'm sitting on Twitter and getting all the updates as they come in on those final team lists. So, it probably won't um, for. The general population it won't be a huge change in that respect but for yourself it's going to be bedlam
1: yeah i mean people are going to be looking anyway and sort of getting the updates through but i'm just sort of picturing myself (laughs) trying to sift through all these last minute team changes to get the updates out so i mean it, it could be nothing like it could be pretty straightforward but it's one of those we'll just have to wait and see the impacts on there um i guess in conjunction with that, is that 18th man concussion cover. So it's something they've been trialling in lower grades. I know they've been tossing this one around for a couple of years and Greenberg was pretty iffy on the whole concept of it. Um, but obviously that hey. barrier's uh, been removed this week. So <laughs> um, that's that's sort of come up again. Um, so the idea of it is they'll have... The starting, like the 17 is named as per usual, but they'll have one 18th man who's there to specifically cover players who are ruled out due to concussion. So it's not to run on for the 10 minutes or whatever that the guys are off the field for the HIA. It's if they are ruled out. So this one I can see having bigger implications uh, than just having the larger squad. So... If we look at maybe the Broncos bench makeup from the first couple of rounds where they were running sort of Macca as that hooker cover, and then we have like a Farnworth on the bench, which was originally going to be a Sarko until Bird did his ACL again, unfortunately. So, and we had a couple of teams running this sort of hybrid, like backup hooker to forward and then sort of a utility guy who can cover forwards and backs, I guess, for that specific level of cover. So If they've got like a Farnworth, who was originally going to be, say, a 17th man, who is now a specific concussion cover as an 18th man, are we going to see teams like that running more forwards on their bench to potentially eat into the minutes of the starting forwards, knowing that they've got sort of a guy who can come on and cover backs and forwards if one of those guys is ruled out?
0: JT, you got it. Into- that sort of leads into the <laughs> that sort of leads into uh, the caliber of team and the integrity of the team. And given the one that you were using as an example there, I would fully expect uh, Brisbane Broncos to rot the system like that, well and truly, wouldn't you,
2: Lakey? Yeah, well, from all reports, they might have to have those extra centre wings out um, covering Boydie, who's not keen to participate <laughs> from this moment on. Is that still going on? Is he still putting the brakes on this whole thing?
1: Uh, There was actually a bit of news on that today, that Volandis this afternoon, Mr Rugby League, had a chat with uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, and she has agreed to relax the Queensland border control for the NRL. So it looks like they're going to be allowed to stay in Queensland and travel for the game. So... I think, fingers crossed, we're going to get that Darius Boyd swan song season that we all deserve. <laughs>
2: I can't believe you're playing that as a Broncos fan. I mean, JT and I were hanging out for it.
1: <laughs> oh, mate, if you, fair, if you don't guy laugh, was, you'll cry. He's killing it. The guy
0: was killing it before uh, the whole coronavirus situation. So um, I thought he would be retiring on top, but if he does want another go around, more than happy to sit
2: back and watch it. 800,000 reasons to keep going. That's exactly right.
1: Didn't Uh, he have a stat or something that he only had one missed tackle out of those two games? I think he's become like a Sean Fensom tackle bot out in the centres there. (laughs) Just body on the line defence. Brick wall. <laughs> Stout. Oh,
2: oh boy. Mm. It's a
0: low bar, but, uh, yeah, he's not falling over, so he's got the studs uh, screwed on correctly this season, it looks like. But nonetheless, poor old Darbs.
2: Not even here to talk about him, and here we are bagging him out. But. It wouldn't be a NRL Supercoach Talk
1: podcast if we didn't hang shit on the Broncos.
0: <laughs> yeah, Welcome st- to the show, Lakey, <laughs> to Styles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've got to fly that Broncos flag at the moment, so that's alright. I can uh I can cop a bit of the banter. So Oh god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get too bronchoy. If you get too bronco-y, I'll be uh, throwing that one in there. It's like the um red faces the gong back in the day. But anyway, we've digressed. Where were we? Rule changes.
1: Yeah, so we were sort of wrapping up that 18th man concussion cover. So I guess it'll be different for different teams based on how they've already structured their benches. Um, Because like I said, for the Broncos, if they were carrying kind of that concussion cover guy on their bench already, that player likely gets shafted to 18th man. And then they bring in a third forward or a fourth forward, which could have implications on the minutes in the forward pack. Um, if you've got teams who sort of already run that forward heavy bench, it's probably likely that they just have a guy who probably wasn't going to be in their top 17, just floating around on the wings there in case someone's ruled out. But you would have to imagine that for specialty concussion cover, it's going to be one of these guys who can cover sort of the forwards or the backs. So I'd probably expect to see a couple more forwards on benches Um particularly if they're a little bit gassed in these first few weeks coming back from isolation, depending on what their uh, training regime has been. So, yeah,
2: my first thought when you were talking about it before was someone like a Tyrone Peachy who can play centers and halves and you know forwards in a pinch. So he's, to me, and we probably can talk about him a bit later, being that he's in one of these teams, but he he's almost that, um, that prime type of player to, to fill that role.
1: Yeah, and I guess just on that, you've got these guys like Peachy who are kind of already floating around in these sort of run-on sides. So another option, I guess, for this concussion cover could be just if you've got, say, a Peachy who's already on the field and you've got a guy who gets ruled out for concussion – Do you just carry, say, a forward in that 18th man spot, swap him into the pack, and then just shift one of these guys who's already on the field out to cover one of these positions? So there's a couple of things that I guess will come down to team makeup and that, but it's definitely going to be an interesting one if they go ahead with it.
0: I mean, everyone's on a level playing field with it as well. So like the HIA stuff when it came in, um, I'm sure we've all had players and captains and everything go down. Um, and be ruled out for a game. So, at least from my perspective, it doesn't change um, my thinking uh, a great deal. Um, it's obviously, you wouldn't imagine teams in all uh, seriousness would uh, seek to rort it in um, if they're not already doing that um, as it stands. So, um, for mine, I reckon it's probably not going to have too much of an impact on my thought process but um yeah interested to see sort of how the coaches play around with it um, over this season good time to trial it I reckon it's um basically round one again I know some people uh when and in, including on our uh, little whatsapp group were saying it's um, too late in the season to be adding this sort of stuff in but I don't know lakey what do you think about these sort of real changes like I'm sure now is the better time as
2: or best time as they're going to get to
0: Start yeah, these sort
2: of Yeah, I can see it both ways. The season has technically started. So, if you were going to implement any new rules, you do it in the off-season through trials and that sort of stuff. Guys can start getting used to the, the new makeup. But it also makes sense to do it in a season that's just completely out of the norm. Um, it's not going to be, uh, you know, guys are going to be having to adjust to this new makeup um, later in the year games and that sort of stuff anyway. So, throw another wrinkle in. May as well do it now.
0: Anything else, Stilesy, on that list?
1: Yeah, there's another couple of things they're tossing around that probably won't have too much of an impact. Um, they're talking about potentially extending half-time breaks by another five minutes or maybe having an on-field water break at sort of the 20-minute and 60-minute marks. But
2: I yeah, have a but. feeling
1: those aren't going to be, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. have a drink or something. Um, but I have a feeling they're not going to be too impactful. Um, The other thing I've heard is they could just trial these for maybe the first two or three rounds while guys are sort of getting that match fitness back just to mitigate those injuries. And I've seen that they've got a specific work balance committee uh, to talk about all those things. So um, I can imagine those meetings get pretty raucous, but they're the things (laughs) that those guys are going to be discussing and deciding upon, I guess, in the lead up to May 28th. So, mm. And the thing is, like, they might only do one of these and, and scrap the others. So, like, if they have – oh, and sorry, there was one more. They're talking about um, raising the amount of interchanges from 8 to 10. So that could be another one. Like, if they only do that for two to three weeks and teams have pretty good match fitness, I can see teams maybe not utilizing those extra interchanges Knowing that they're just going to go back to business as usual, like they wouldn't want to become too reliant on those. If that goes ahead, I can probably see them only using it if, like, a guy you've got a guy who's clearly gassed and you've just got to bring him off for a rest, or if someone picks up like a little niggling injury that's probably not enough to rule them out, but you just want to get them off to maybe have a look and wrap some tape around a, an ankle or something and get him back on. But we've seen before. It, interchange numbers have been played with and it hasn't had too big of an impact. So, um, that might just be another one to watch out for.
0: Sounds good to me. I think anything the, I'm sort of leaning towards these rules as being good ideas and these changes. Um, but the one thing I didn't like this year, I don't know about you boys, the captain's challenge. Um, I don't think I've ever sat through a more awkward, um, like five minutes almost of football, then an empty ANZ stadium. And I think the Cowboys challenged a knock-on call and it took them about five minutes to make a decision. You know, it's crickets literally in the air. Um, It just completely ate away from the game. Didn't really serve a benefit. I think there's been one successful challenge, if any. Um, so in terms of that one, yeah, I would have preferred some of these ones like quarters and that sort of thing in before the old captain's challenge, but that's what we got.
1: And I guess on that, you kind of think they trotted it out just to maybe show that the refs do make the right decision most of the time. Like, they always cop a whole lot of flack, and I reckon they probably had a meeting and just said, yeah, all right, let them them do that challenge, knowing that probably 90% of them are going to be fine.
0: (laughs) Well, I love some of them, like, get up blowing up at the referee and, oh, I didn't drop it, sir. And then it's like, well, you've got a challenge now. Are you going to use it? Oh, no, but I just want you to know I didn't. I didn't think I did Clint Gutherson uh, springs
1: to mind on one of those. I remember he dropped one in maybe the first five or ten minutes of a match, and it was just completely wrong, and then they couldn't use it for the whole rest of the game when they maybe had a few legitimate ones, so yeah, yeah. that was
2: the bulldogs game. He was quick on the draw on that one, and
1: Jesus, he muffed it. It was a stinker
0: <laughs> before we wrap up your um. Real change segment, Stasi, I thought I should have probably led off with this, but always been keen to know you obviously have to absorb quite a lot of information during the week um, and getting it out there Um, as soon as team names or teams are cut and uh, anything goes on in the background. But what would you normally do um, on a week-to-week basis to collect all your mail? Is there, I assume, social media? You're following just about every player in the game and keeping up to date there um, but yeah how do you normally collate all of this info?
1: The main ones I guess is just following the right people on Twitter so most most teams or most cities have like maybe a main reporter um, who's sort of the go-to guy for late changes um, and that sort of thing so if I follow all those guys and put a few key notifications on certain accounts I can generally see stuff as it com- as it's coming through and I'll just make a note of some of the ones I think are more likely than others and then um, put them in the article at the end of the week. And for the for the 24-hour um, out and hour-out updates, it's generally just spamming refresh on the, uh, on the match centre or following the team accounts, depending on who comes through first. And sometimes you'll find if you follow the team on Twitter, they might drop their squad like 15, 10, 5 minutes before final squads are meant to be in so I can sometimes get a bit of a jump on that but generally speaking it's just yeah a lot of time trawling sort of reporter accounts and the occasional team forum every now and again if someone's asking me a question about something I'm not quite sure of generally someone's going to be in the know on one of those and you can flesh it out a little bit
0: yeah, if there's one thing I remember from Magic Round, it's you, as we were all standing there, having a few <laughs> pre-game drinks, uh, making sure to get those last-minute tweets out. So, you're a very committed man to the job. Do you remember that
2: one, Lake? Yeah, mate, that gave us a giggle at the pub. We're all having a, a beer and Stilesies on the phone. Got to get this out, boys. I'll be with you in a second. That's um, now- <laughs> the burden I carry for, for
1: the rest of us. <laughs>
2: Uh, everybody will know by now and everyone will follow you religiously, but for those who maybe don't or are new to the game, what's your um, Twitter handle, mate, so everyone can jump
1: on and get the best biz? Um, so I'm on at A Styles Author. So generally I'll tweet stuff through as I find it out throughout the week um, and then I'll do the 24-hour the and sort of hour before updates just to, to show who's dropping out and maybe – who you have to be cautious of still hanging around on those extended benches.
0: Is that your TikTok handle as well, Starzy?
1: Oh, mate, I have not touched TikTok, and I know I think uh, Nick's been hitting that up a bit uh, if I've seen the chat correctly.
0: Yeah, it's supposedly his son's account, but uh, it's a little suspicious to me. I think he's nine years old, so I highly doubt that. But, um, yeah, he's more than happy for us to feature it in an upcoming article as the season progresses, so look out for that one on the site. Uh, So I think we'll move on now to the good, bad and the ugly. We'll just take a short
1: break.
0: Right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, the Good, Bad and the Uglies for the Titans and the Raiders. Yeah, I'm cutting that one early again. It's far too long. Uh, so the Good, Bad and the Ugly is where we take a look back at the opening two rounds of the season that was and then wasn't and then might be and then I think it's been locked in. Uh, that's basically where we're at now so a lot went down in those two weeks and I was just speaking to Starzy off air it's often I'm finding a a bit of a struggle to even think back to what's gone on who were the good who were the bad and who were the ugly so actually looking through these stats um, has been fantastic so I guess we'll start with the Raiders. Um, Starzy I'll let you lead off here who's been your good for the Raiders so far this season?
1: I think it's pretty hard to argue with the uh, the Red Rocket himself, uh, the horse. Um, he was a guy probably a lot of people were looking at in that pre-season with Bateman being ruled out with that last-minute surgery as someone who could come in, has a good PPM and could really take advantage of those extra minutes. So I think having a look at that, he was averaging sort of high 50s um, and I guess... The only downside is, with this big gap in the season now, we've probably got. I know there's still a few question marks around him coming back uh, at season restart, but you've you might have Bateman back literally first game after the restart. So you'd have to imagine he just drops straight back to the bench, and that really good game he had it up front is uh is going to roll out.
2: Yeah, I saw. Um, I, I yeah, think I Bateman know, was. Up. Sorry. Yeah, you're right, mate. Um I think there was a bit of conjecture about whether Bateman would be back uh for what's what what is it, round three. Um but then I saw he tweeted today that he's eager to get into the training when it's allowed on May fourth. So that to me says he's pushing to get back. Um, but I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV.
1: I saw that same update too, and <laughs> I was hoping that's the case. Like think he tweeted a picture of himself just really eager to go. So hopefully that, that comes off.
0: <laughs> so I'm the owner of um, the Red Horse as well. So I was hoping if uh, Bateman does come and slot straight back into that lock that he might be able to squeeze um, a spot in the second row, bump a back to the bench or something like that. Uh, I definitely think Ricky Stewart loves him as a player. Uh, he's got a big motor. Uh, for what we could see in those opening couple of rounds, so in terms of his price, I um, wouldn't like him to be on the bench for too long. You'd be relying on attacking stats and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's a kind of a big call I think that owners will have to make um, when Bateman comes back into the fold. I think at this stage, I don't know. I'd have Tarpane
2: benched over Horse. You like him? Yeah, absolutely. Bateman plays out on the right hand side, so I'd put Horse in the um, lock where he gets through a ton of work in in the middle and um, bring Tarpanay off the bench.
0: That's good to me. Um, I guess another on the good list, and uh, it's hard to read too much into these stats because there are a lot of attacking points in here, but Emre Gula, so 220-odd K, front row only. Um, he's come out an average 69, well... Um, so he's in line for some huge, huge price rises. Um, there was a fair bit of chat about him before the season went off air. Only issue is with him, he got a try to line break against the Titans in round one on his way to a score of around 90 or so. So that's going to roll out of his rolling average um, straight away. So you'll get a huge jump in price um, when he finally does play this third game. But after that, in terms of long-term security and Uh, long-term minutes I just don't see it for Gula so the 69 is good and I'm sure he'll have a lot eyeing off that break even but um Stasi is he in your plans is he um front row is pretty congested so tough to bring him in I'd say
1: yeah look if if you didn't start with him I can't see anyone bringing him in um given you've got Bateman coming back and probably Horsberg playing himself into more minutes and you've still got Tarpanay and Whitehead and all those guys kicking around, Papali in the front row on that. So, um, And a lot of us sort of went with those absolute bottom dollar sort of front rowers and your your Rudolfs and your your JTBs and and those sort of guys. So um, I think he'd be definitely a hard one to fit in, particularly uh, with Bateman coming back. Elliot Whitehead, Lakey, uh, killed it
0: a couple of tries. Uh, is he, He's in the good list here, but is he really good? Uh,
2: he always seems to do this at stages throughout the year. He, and I think he did it last year too. He started off real strong and then just sort of faded back to a, a generic 45-50 average, which, is you know, it's not bad, but it's not what you're wanting long-term. So um, enjoy it if you'd started with him. Enjoy it as a Raiders fan, just avoid it if you're anybody else. Yep, great, cool. Um, the Croatian, I
0: think he's Croatian, the god himself, Nick Kotrick. Um, so he hasn't scored a try so far this season, but. He's hit a 56 average. So if you tossed up between him and Simonson and you landed on Kotrick, you've definitely made the right call there. Thank you. Uh, 46 (laughs) points. Thank you very much. 46 points in tackle busts in two games. He was on an absolute tear, particularly in that um, very warm game on the coast against the Warriors. So uh, he looked like he was primed for a massive season and he's in that mid range sort of price uh, for a center wing. Uh, his price is going to skyrocket over the coming weeks if he keeps that form up and manages to cross the line. Um, so, Lakey, you've obviously got him. Stasi, what about you?
1: Look, he was one of those guys who I had in and out of my team the whole preseason as sort of that mid-ranger that we're all hoping to find, like him, Simonson, um, and those sort of guys. I didn't land on him, unfortunately. I went with the uh, the basket case himself, BJ Leilua, who has caused me... Nothing but, but uh, <laughs> nightmares uh, since I made that decision. But Kotrick's one of these guys who he can trot out a five-round average of 70-plus and then go back to sort of those low 30s. So if you can get on him when the time's right, and I think I did that in 2018 when he had a bit of a purple patch, but you you got to sell him at his peak because he's going to come crashing back down.
0: Yeah, it's like you've landed on uh, the right call there, Lakey, but I I think Stilesing makes a good point there. His history in the game doesn't show that he's overly consistent with these sort of scores. So, making sure you jump ship at the right time and uh, nail every bit of that price rise is going to be crucial because, I don't know, do you see him as a
2: season-long keeper? No. And I wanted one of these Raiders outside backs because of that starting draw. And as we alluded to earlier, that's kind of gone out the window now, Um, but I was tossing up between Kotrick and Simonson and I found the extra 10K to go up to Kotrick and glad I did. He looked like a beast out there, you know, playing the Titans, but he he still looked involved. Um, And I guess the selection for me was based on his previous years. He's sort of down 10 to 15 points um, from, you know, 2019 through 2018. And, and before that, so I was kind of, you know, hoping he would push that back up and get a price rise. Um, I just wasn't expecting him to look as good as he was. But, yeah, ab- absolutely stylesy. As, as soon as um, he hits one of those lower games or he starts yeah. to flatten out, I'll be jumping ship.
1: Yeah, 100%. Just bank that cash and move him up to maybe a, a fallen gun or someone someone who's coming into their own purple patch.
2: Or Rapana since he's trying to get back into the league somewhere.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen that kicking around. Apparently, I think I saw doggies were uh, were pretty keen. So, be interesting to see how that plays out. I hear they're looking for a winger these days.
0: <laughs> how could he possibly be squeezed into that stellar backline? That'll be a um, that'll be a big call. Uh, so, moving on from Kotrick. Um, that's unless you guys have any other goods in your list. Lakey style, no, I
2: mean, the team's the looked name. pretty good to start the year, but they've had some pretty soft games. Um, Titans round one and then Warriors round two. So, it's hard to read too much into it.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head too with the draw being probably revised. Like, a lot of these guys we'd bring in just to take advantage of that draw and that could be out the window as soon as round three. So, I think we'd really need to have a look at that before bringing in or looking at these attacking sort of players.
0: Uh, speaking of attacking players that, well, we thought would kick on, uh, Lakey, you found an extra 10k to go above this man, but the first I've got on the bad list here is a man that I own, and that's Bailey Simonson. So, a bit of history with him in this game and that uh, he was my round one cheapie winger last year, uh, obviously got uh, moved on with uh, the round two team list, and then uh, found his way back into the side about eight weeks later and went on a tear. So this season, he's, he was priced um, around the 320k mark. Uh, every, all the signs look good. As we said, the Raiders are a good attacking side, so we'll just bring this guy in. Didn't even bother looking up 10k extra to Kotrick, but here we are. He was pretty damn ordinary in those first couple of games. So think back to the Titans game, and he was shifted to fullback after CNK went off for an HIA. And thought, oh, this will be fantastic. He's against the Titans. He's at fullback. We'll see what he can do. And he barely touched the ball. Um, And a very similar story the next week out uh, against the Warriors, stuck out on the wing, um, got one of the – it was an absolute early Christmas present from I think it was Jared Croker through a last pass that he probably didn't need to. And Simonson fell over the line, literally fell over the line uh, to get a line break and try. Without those points, he sits at maybe a twenty-point average. So he's been very underwhelming to start the season. Um, job security, I think, is fine for him, but it's not really the output we wanted uh, so early on. And he's even going to lose cash. It uh, was going to lose cash prior to that try. So, um, Starsy, are you a are you a Simonson owner?
1: No, I'm not. He was another guy. Like I guess a lot of us are in the same boat where we probably had one or probably all of these guys in our side at some stage. Um, Simonson I was liking probably ahead of Kotrick, Um, just not that we probably would make too much use of it with stacked fullbacks, but he had that dual position uh, in his starts on the wings for the Raiders last year. I think he averaged sort of mid-40s, which would have given him a pretty good uptick on his starting price with the chance to maybe drag a few extra tries against that soft uh, starting opposition. but it's all fallen apart from him somewhere. He's just he's just not involved outside of that lucky try, that, or not lucky, but that gifted try that you said about.
0: Hmm. Well, that's it. He's, um, I don't know, his involvement was a bit down on last year and what he was doing there, so whether it's a second year kind of syndrome happening. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a winger and a strong attacking side, so it will just take a couple of tries to pile up uh, to see him go upwards. But, yeah, definitely not the output that I'd expected. Uh, Another one that had caught the eye early this season, I think probably in large part due to the way he finished off the year last season, is Jack Whiten. Uh, So he was, especially after he came out against the Titans in that first half, and I think he was on something like 90 points after 40 minutes, he was tearing them to shreds. Since that, he's gone on to score, I reckon, about 20 points. So he hit a 19 against the Warriors, and then I think they
2: counted him as maybe one, Point in the second half.
0: Yeah. That first round
2: game. The man's sitting on uh, hundred and ten points uh total through his two games. Yeah. And as you said, he was ninety, if not more, than that at halftime of game one.
0: Like he's that's what he's done, I feel like, his entire career in the super coach caper. So this year I could understand the the hype a little more because he's taking charge at the side. Caesar's not there, George Williams, rookie half. Is, uh, well, not rookie, but uh, new half is coming in to join him. So it's his side. It's got his attacking footprint all over it. But uh, as we've seen from him historically, he's just not a player that can consistently lump these games together. So uh, could you have justified, say, Stylesy the 5K that brought uh, Whiten into their side after that round one game?
1: Definitely not. I think halves is one of those positions where a lot of us were looking to probably save a few dollars and maybe run sort of one-gun one or two middies and, like, if you've got a Billy Walters sort of kicking around in that backup half spot. But Jack Whiten's a guy, I did the Raiders preview at the start of the year and I was having a look at his stats. So last year, we'd probably say that's one of his best years on the field, right? And he averaged 53.5 points. Have a guess what his five-year average is across any position, just if he's on the field, this is his average.
0: I'm going to go 40, 44.
1: I'm going to say 50. 53.4. So in his career year on the field, he averaged 0. 0.1 more super coach points than he did in his previous, like half a decade at across fullback, halves, centers, wherever they wanted to plug him. So I think he's one of these guys where his on-field talent just doesn't perfectly translate to those super coach points.
2: Um, like- and I think what what got a lot of people interested too was his finals campaign because he absolutely killed it at the back end um, postseason. Looked awesome in the grand final. And I think people were just kind of thinking he might ride that over into the new year. But, yeah, he's got a little bit more super coach now about him, but he reminds me of that Darren Lockyer type, like one of the the superstar NRL players who just doesn't score super coach points.
1: Yeah, that's who Cooper came Cronk. to mind for me as well. And Cooper Cronk, yeah, you've, you've nailed that one. He's He's got a high floor, but he's got a low ceiling. He's always going to be in and around that sort of 40 to 60 mark pretty consistently, but not really smash out those 150s and that that we kind of see from some of these stripe weapon guys. Hmm. Um, so I think...
0: In terms of bad and the ugly, there wasn't too many others that I'd seen in that listing worth uh, speaking too much about. Josh Papali has been a bit quiet to start the year at such a high price, but probably not enough at a 54-odd average to stick in bad or ugly. But don't know if, Lakey, you've got anyone else you had in mind?
2: No, not really. I think it's just bad for NRL fans that we haven't been able to see the pikey himself running around on the field. <laughs> Over so who, <laughs> Jonathan Percival Bateman the third. <laughs>
1: right. Massive.
0: Rightio. thank you very much. Uh, well, I guess we'll leave it there for the Raiders and move on to everyone's second favourite side. Um, and in terms of the good here for the Gold Coast Titans, it was a tough one to fill. So, uh, I've given a couple of pity uh, points here to some players. Um, Jai Arrow in the good list here so 57 average but he did crack out 80 minutes in the game against Para Um, so he did look looked like he was um, definitely going back to the no minute but still high output kind of game in that round one then he's come out the second week and got the full 80 and uh, his output was down a little that game so uh, hard to read too much into that. You just don't know what you're going to get with this guy. But uh, either of you, say Stasi, are you looking at Arrow as an option if you can keep those eighty minutes up?
1: I've got. I started with Arrow, um, and I know after that first game, quite a few people were down on him, but he was actually unwell in that game. So. I think he had a, a cold or he had something going on there. So his minutes were a bit down, even for his sort of roller coaster standards that we've seen the last couple of seasons. So I don't think he's going to all of a sudden start averaging 80, but I think we're going to see sort of more of what we're expecting from him moving forward, which is around sort of that maybe 55, 60 minutes and a 60 to 65 average. At least that's what I'm hoping. I know he's committed to another team from next season. But by all accounts, his head's in the game for the Titans for this year. And he seems um, pretty committed to to come out and do a job for him. He hasn't mentally clocked off. So once that sort of lower game rolls out of his average in a couple of weeks, I think, uh, I think owners are going to be sitting pretty sweet with him. If I didn't have him, I'd probably just sit back and see how those minutes pan out. But as an owner, I'm happy to just leave him there for now and, Sort of bring in those sort
0: of 55 to 65 points a week. Hmm. Lakey Jai Arrow option for you?
2: Uh, I've
1: you got him up? as well. Yeah. Oh, on
2: I'm um, here. Yeah, you're on the outer, yeah, you oh, are yeah. outer, mate. Get with the times. No, I'm the same as Stilesy. I'm sort of not over the moon, but I'm happy enough to just, you know, ride out the the 60-ish average 55-60 average for now hopefully it'll improve if not it's not a huge jump to go up to a, a gun
0: mm. he's honestly like watching him as a non-owner it's tough because he just gets involved so much in almost every run he takes he uh, looks to get the offload away he's a tackle buster he just needs to find um consistent minutes so uh 14.1 owned so um Definitely not as high as in years past, I think, with all those question marks around him. But, um, yeah, enough to get him in the good column here to start. Uh, The only other one that I could find here, boys, and this was a tough little dig, but Jamin Jolliffe. Jolliffe. Uh, So you might have missed him even over those first two rounds, but he's gone uh, from bottom dollar front row forward uh, to hitting a total of 66 points over his first couple of weeks. So he'll see a nice little price rise um, given the – forward depth at the titans you'd imagine uh given incumbency he'll hold onto that spot but um i don't know if he's Stasi. is he a guy that you were looking at in that um cheapy front row lottery that we had at the start of the year
1: not with all the more established sort of names kicking around like i'm sure everyone sort of scrolled past him didn't recognize the name at all and just kept moving but like cheapy front row forwards were kind of where it's at this season with a lot of guys Running, definitely two of, like sort of you Rudolphs and um, Musk Groves and those sort of guys, and I've even seen a couple of sort of running three of those sort of two hundred k blow front row forwards. So, I think I don't think anyone would have started with him because he like had either of you guys heard of him before the, these first couple of rounds? Oh.
2: Yeah, he was in the round one team list. Yep,
1: <laughs> <laughs> can't argue that. <laughs> Um but I guess like you wouldn't have picked him over one of those other guys, and if you don't have him now you you're probably not going to bring him in so he might be one of those who sort of plugs along does a job but no one really has him in their side
0: one point four percent so into ultra pod territory there but no good on him he's got his start in the n r l and kicked on pretty nicely uh anything else good for you guys lakey in that titans list
2: um nothing exceptional but Ash Taylor sort of jumps out at me. He's carrying a 51 average. And from a guy who's struggled so mightily over the last couple of years, it's it's good to see him running around again um, with a little bit of confidence. And, he, you know, he's, he's not destroying teams on the field, but he's out there and he's contributing. So that's good.
0: Yeah, it's a long road to redemption for him. Um, you even look at his price there, 329K. So you think back years past Ash Taylor was the next big thing and fortunately it hasn't quite uh worked out but he's definitely got the talent there um I can't even remember but was he goal kicking before this all went down I think he uh, was yeah yeah he was and that's quite that's a very handy uh, not that they'll kick a lot of goals sorry Titans but um yeah just on the odd occasion that they get across the stripe there an extra four, couple of points Mate, for him how there. How dare you?
2: They are averaging six points a game so far. <laughs> <laughs> Huge.
0: Is that more than the Warriors? I think they've done the Warriors there, haven't they? Oh,
2: Jesus, it's been abysmal.
0: <laughs> I reckon uh, the coach there's had a, what is it? League live 4, whatever that PlayStation <laughs> game is out, just crunching the, uh, the numbers, attacking plays. Well, I think back like two thousand and. Eight back when the i want to say back when the Cowboys were shit—but that's kind of in the last couple of seasons. But back when they were really shit, we had a coach, Ian Millwood, come in, uh, caretaker sort of arrangement, and I don't think he won a game for about twelve rounds. It was some hideous losing streak that he had. And he actually came out in the media and said, um, "Yeah, I've just been playing the PlayStation and um, bursting the opposition on easy just so I can see what it feels like to get a win for the Cowboys." <laughs> oh, good on God. him.
1: <laughs> that is rough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: First grade employed coach came out and said that. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, the coach has been looking after him in the downtime. But, yeah, hopefully they add to those points when they come out. Uh, The bads. So, unfortunately, during this whole uh, coronavirus outbreak, Callum Watkins, I believe his dad is quite unwell and contracted the virus. So, he's headed back over to the UK. So, his season is unfortunately over for... Uh, the NRL super coach uh, stakes. So I'm an owner, so unfortunately that means I'll have to uh, move him on. But Lakey, you're
2: an owner? I'm an owner too, yep. So yeah, that's uh, one of my first two trades.
1: Yeah, I'm an owner too. And look, I was actually pretty happy with him after that first round. He banged out sort of mid-40s, I think, in pretty much all base. So given I had a bit of a rookie lottery, that gave me the confidence to plug him in into my starting side in round two. And he uh, proceeded to drop a 24 for me. So that's a little disappointing. But, yeah, obviously he's got some family issues. So I don't think anyone could begrudge him for wanting to go back home. But that probably sees Brian Kelly come back into that centre spot. He was coming off the bench, I think, for the first couple of games. And he had a pretty handy uh, average last season, if I remember right. So he might be one, maybe not for classic, but he's kicking around sort of draft waivers. He might be one to have a look at.
0: Mm-hmm. 271k Callum Watkins was so not a lot of uh, cash to play around with there but uh, who knows what the first teamless Tuesday of the new season's going to throw up could be cheapies galore so we'll wait and see uh next on the bad list Lakey who have you got
2: um well I guess Brimson is bad everyone sort of had him in calculations to start the year uh, through the off season rather, and um, it just never got over the back injury, Stiles. You'd know more than I would off top of head, but it was some like a, a stress fracture in the vertebrae or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's stress fractures in his back, not unlike what Dylan Brown had last season, um, which ruled him out for about three months. But it's one of those injuries where. If they respond well to treatment, they can be back up and running pretty quick, but it can also be one of those that sort of lingers for quite some time. So I don't think he's expected back for these first few rounds of the restart and there's not really any timeline on him at this stage. so I think we'll probably see Philip Sammy uh, Philip Sammy Rodradra based on that first game where he got 74 pretty much all in base. Um, I think we'll see him at the back for at least the first few rounds after the restart and he might even, Brimson might even be eased back via the interchange. It all depends on how he responds, I guess.
0: Uh, last on my list I've got here, guys, is Moaki Fotuweka. Uh So he had quite a bit of um, talk about him a season or so ago, just because he had this crazy output when he first uh, made it onto the NRL scene. I think 2018. Uh, this season he's come off the bench just for the one game. Uh, thirty four points in thirty seven minutes. So, uh, he was clearly being eased back into his role there. But um, a guy that's got a bit of promise and just hasn't quite delivered yet, um, at least from a super coach perspective. So, uh, got him in the bad column here. But he's definitely one I'll keep an eye out for if he uh, maintains that bench role. Uh, Lakey you any eyes on Big
2: Fotu? I'm a big fan of this kid. He just gets through a ton of work um, and. Seems to have a motor, but he was another guy who was coming off injury to start the year and, again, struggling to think back all the way, but um, didn't get back for their first game and then got eased in. So, the, hopefully, the break has done him well, um, you know, for his sake, but I don't think he's a super coach option. At four, what, 440K, um, mm. yeah. It, he's not in gun territory and he's not in cheapy territory.
0: Very cool. Um, Starzy, I've got one more name on here. You can see it in the ugly list on the <laughs> run sheet I gave you. But before we get to that, uh, is there anyone else that you had in mind uh, for the bad or the uglies for the Titans?
1: No, I think I think it's been covered. Like there, There's just not a whole lot of options there or things to like. But, you know, shout-outs to Big Mal coming out um, talking about competition points, saying that if it's a short season, teams like the Titans might not be able to make it to the playoffs if they uh, keep those two losses. So I think big shout-out to Mao for just believing in his boys, but I have a feeling it's not going to be the uh, shortened rounds that keep him out of the uh, playoffs picture, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, the man's just carrying a half-full glass with him wherever he goes. <laughs>
1: I'd love uh, to see Mao just trot out again. Like, just chuck on, like, what, just give him a jersey and just see what he does. I reckon, I reckon he'd have a crack.
0: Well, I reckon he wouldn't go half as bad as the guy that we've got on the ugly list. And I don't think he needs any introduction or even much fanfare about him. But uh, one name, Cardi, ugly list. Um, horrible start to his year in terms of just dumb offloads, missed tackles, lack of effort. Uh, basically, the Cardi we know and love don't think he had any super coach uh, relevance at the start of this year, but uh, just standing back and watching him play, it's, it's funny in its own right, but at the end of the day, you feel bad for the Titans paying this guy uh, the salary that they do to get that output. So, uh, Bryce Cartwright, the one and only name in the ugly list.
2: Uh, Lakey, you agree? Absolutely. My one highlight that I can bring to head from the Titans is Cartwright crabbing across the field on a fifth tackle and running out of bounds. <laughs>
1: you love to see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, so Stilesy, basically watching that is what it was like for Lakey and I watching Darius fall over last season. It's just so <laughs> comedic. Look. It's absolutely priceless when it's not poetry.
1: I've got <laughs> I've got the image of that etched into my memory like I I can just see it unfolding. You've got you've got the kind of half step maybe three meters away from him. He's fallen for it. He's gone down. And then oh you just not good to watch. Not good to watch for a Broncos fan. Uh well I've sold him
0: short here. He's actually on four, an average of uh forty points. I think he got a try or a try assist yep. or something
2: like that. No, he's right got forty seven tackles through the first two games though. Um oh. a couple of tackle breaks and a couple of offloads. Oh, and one line break. There you go. There you go. Look, Unheard of. 47 tackles.
1: That's all we need, we need him to do as well. You've got Stags out there. you got Osaka and all these guys. Just make your tackles. Don't fall over four metres away from the, the ball. We're going, we've gone and, back to Cardi, And bro. you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm setting <laughs> the pretty low here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have made some off season signings, some coronavirus signings. So, Katoni Stags and who else was it? Lakey is joining the Titans now. Oh, mate. They could take anyone they <laughs> could <can> get. <laughs> well, I think they were trying to get, um, was it
2: TPJ or David
0: Fafida? Trying to get and, Fafita.
2: and speaking of Fafita, news out that he's going to be out a few months with a knee, sc- knee scope or knee cleanup.
1: Yeah, he, um, he had a surgery, a su- I guess, there was some talk around why didn't he do it sooner, knowing the season was shut down, but we had that ban on those sort of elective or stage two surgeries. So he was only actually able to get it done uh, within the last week. So it's an injury that I believe by itself it can heal. So the surgery can knock someone out for four weeks to a couple of months, but sort of looking at what NRL physio said on the topic, Given that they've elected to do it and it's an injury that can heal by itself, you'd probably think he's on the uh, the sooner side of that equation because, like, if you've only got shortened rounds, why wipe him out for the season if it might be okay? So I think he'll miss maybe the first couple of rounds, but I think we'll see him back um, definitely sooner than sort of the three-month high end for that surgery.
0: Great stuff, guys. All righty. That brings us to the end of uh, episode five here of the lockdown series. So, covered the Titans, covered the Raiders, uh, covered your extensive uh, list of possible rules. So, uh, the next few weeks are going to be huge in terms of the context of the season and what it's going to look like. Um, guess we can only hope and pray that players decide to stay indoors. Um, don't invite the girls around. Or if you do, don't put the bloody thing on social media. So, uh, hope that... The players have learned a thing or two in this last week, but I don't hold the breath. Uh, Lakey, great to have you on, mate. Always oh, um, fun, hope Hope everything's going well. Hope the household's being uh, as chaotic as it always sounds.
1: Yeah, it's good fun over here. <laughs>
0: <Stop>. <laughs>
1: that was so dour the way you said that too.
0: <laughs> uh Starsy, great to have you on. You've done fantastically, mate. Um, broken the cherry, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from you uh, as the season goes on, you're going to become probably the most important man in the whole of the Twitter sphere for us Supercoach fanatics, so
1: you, I'm sure you've got uh, your game ready to go. Yeah, mate. Thanks heaps for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, and let's, let's see how cool. these next few weeks pan out before we get the season kicked off again.
0: Sounds good, mate. And I left uh, well, last week's guest, Timmy, uh, who was doing the Tigers. He did a little Tiger roar as we went off air. Benny G, doing a Cowboys pod, did a little Yeehaw. Um, so I guess you can't really do a Raiders and you can't really do a Titans. So could you potentially sing the Postman Pat theme song
1: to play us out, Stilesy? Oh, mate. As the mailman. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat, and it's black and white cat.
2: No, he stitched you off here. He
1: actually did. He oh, stitched you up.
0: Good night, guys.
1: <laughs> he has, mate. That was, that's going to be rough uh, if that makes the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it certainly will, mate. See you, Patty. <laughs> <laughs>